Before I get started, I, I want to say thank you to people who come out to support me. And just like Brandon said, I, I'm thankful for my family who's come to support me. I'm thankful for my brothers. I, I got people that I work with here. I got people that serve in the fire service with me. And I'm thankful for that. And, I, and But I hope that you see Jesus Christ is the number one goal here today. I, I hope that you don't see anything else or see... Uh, anything that I've done because I've screwed my life up a lot and, but Jesus Christ has changed that and I live redeemed now not in those times so uh, I want to apologize because I will say a lot of ums and this and that and I want to say that I read scripture in a Christ-centric Christocentric devotional type of way which would mean that I'm looking for Christ through the, through the scripture but I'm Looking to see how that applies to my life, too. So, uh, you know, this morning I came in to the church and I came, I couldn't sleep last night. I, I've been worried about getting up here and my wife's been praying for me and other men have been praying for me. And I came in and I went back to Brandon's office and I put on some music. I, I just wanted to soak and listen to some, some music, you know, and praise the Lord. And as I began to do that, the Lord began to break me down. And he said, he said, Robert, you know, and I might get a little emotional at times. He said, Robert, you know, this may just be the best day of your life. You know, I know I'm unworthy to stand up here and speak, but he is worthy. And he said, this might just be the best day of your life because you're going to get to share with your family. See, I got my brother I got a nephew, I got my son, my daughter, and I'm going to get the chance to share the gospel with them today. Amen. And I believe that Christ is the most important things in our life that we can share. So just bear with me as we go through the scripture today, as I try to read this scripture, as I try to show you what God showed me through it. So uh, the title of my message today is Hope. I see they got that on the screen. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. But uh, I'm reading in Revelation 6, 9 through 11. Uh, it's the fifth seal. Last week, we had Dustin come and preach on the four horses, which were uh, seals that bring judgment. Uh, they were warfare, famine, persecution, and death. See, there will be judgment on this earth, and God will bring his judgment. But today, I, I want us to read in the fifth seal. Uh, I want us to see, as Christians, we stand firm on the belief in Christ. That only those endure, that endure to the end, through their faith in Jesus Christ, will be rewarded by God. So I think the fifth seal, I think that's a message it brings. Those that endure to the end, through their faith in Christ. If you would, let's please stand. I know we get up and down a lot here, so you're getting your exercise in today. Uh, let's stand out of uh, respect for God's word here today as I read Revelations 6, 9 through 11. Verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were killed as they had, had been was complete. Let's pray. 
Lord, I love you, Lord. I, again, I thank you for this opportunity to get to share your word, Lord. I, I thank you that you would use a, a poor, wretched sinner, Lord, who's been redeemed like me, Lord. I, I thank you for that, Lord. I just pray once again, Lord, for the people who came here today, Lord. I pray that as I open my mouth, Lord, and as you say in Psalms, that you would fill it up with your Holy Spirit, yes. Lord. Lord, I pray that as the song was sang earlier, I pray that your Holy Spirit would rain down on the people yes. here today, Lord. Lord, I pray that I would be able to reveal Jesus Christ to each and every person here through the Scriptures, Lord. Lord, I ask that you use me as a vessel, Lord, that you hide me behind the cross, Lord, because I want them to see you and nothing else, Lord. Lord, and I... I'll give you praise and honor, and I'm going to trust that you'll lead and guide every step here today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Woo. This is a big stage, you know, a lot of people. And I, I, I told Brandon this morning, I was in that office uh, praying, and I was crying, boo-hoo, and I was very emotional. And I said, I'm, I'm terrified to step on that stage. I said, I'm terrified. And I still am. You know, I want to get God's word right. I want it to be truth. You know, as I, as, I, as I preach the word, as I tell you what God's laid on my heart, I have done a lot of studying. And I want the word to be truth. I want it to be. Pray, I pray, I pray you don't see me that you see Christ through every, every word of the scripture that we read here today. Uh, let's start. I just want to go through some of the scriptures and sort of t- show you uh, what Christ has sh- shown me. And then uh, I do have a little testimony at the end, Brandon sort of shared some of my testimony. He likes to take the spotlight every now and then, but thank you, brother. <laughs> Revelations 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had, ma- had maintained. When I started reading this, I, I seen the altar. And I, 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 one thing that I want us to think about as we go through this scripture is the altar. You see... Uh, in the Old Testament and all throughout the Bible, the altar was a place of sacrifice. And see, they had to be sacrificed for sin, for unholiness, uncleanness, and blood had to be shed. So as we go through the scripture, think about that. Think about the altar. And there has to be bloodshed for the sin that we commit. The next thing I, I was, when I was looking through this uh, piece of scripture was the souls. It says the souls that have been slain. And I started to say, who are the souls? Who are the souls that have been slain? Well, as I, as I read and I done some studying, uh, the Lord sort of showed me that that's the believers, the saints. Ones who suffered for the sake of their faith and their love of Christ. See, these people had suffered for Christ. Revelation 24 says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and not received its mark on their foreheads. They came to life and reigned with Christ for thousands of years. Thousands years. See, they had not took the mark of the beast. These souls, they had not took the mark of the beast. They had not denied their faith. They had trusted in God. So I had a few questions. For those of us that call ourselves Christians, are you willing to suffer for Christ? Will you suffer for Christ? What in your life are you willing to give up to serve the Lord? 
Is there things in your life that you're willing to give up to serve the Lord? Or do you have things that hold you back, such as friendship, money? What is that thing holding you back from serving the Lord? Do you have a testimony of what Christ has done in your life? Has God revealed himself to you? This is revelations and revelation, not revelation. Sorry about that. Uh, what is your testimony? Are you willing to share so that others can see Christ too? Do you stand on the word of God as these martyrs did? Are you standing on the word of God? Are you trusting him? Uh, I got a little story for you, and I hope I don't chase too much of a rabbit. But the other day, I went to uh, the churchwide fellowship down the park. And I had a guy come up to me, and he said, hey, I hear you preaching Sunday. And I said, yeah. I said, yes, I am. And I'm, I'm really nervous about it. And, he's, and I said, that Brandon, he can stand up there and speak. And uh, God just flows out of his mouth. As he's speaking, God just flows. He, the, this morning, we was in there, and he was uh, teaching the biblical class and he he said uh he started to preach started to talk and he just said 10 scriptures like in a row like bam 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 and I was like what in the world well as the guy was talking he I said I'm real nervous about getting up and speaking in front of the church and sharing a word that God gave me and he said well you know Brandon he's he's a preacher that's sort of his job and uh he's used to it and he does it and I said he said, it's just like you uh, as a fireman. I had my fire uniform on. He said, it's just like you as a fireman. You know, you know a lot about fire. Or, or the water. I work for the water company. He said, you know about, a lot about the water works. And I said, yeah, you're right. You know, I started to play it off and give a reason why, why I didn't know Scripture. I, I started to play that off. But it, as he left, the Lord showed me and said, you claim the name Christ. You're a Christ follower first. And to mean to tell me you would know more about firefighting or more about water than you would me? So I had to stop and think and say, hey, what if, I, what if each day I got up and I got so filled with the word that when I walked into the water company, it just spilled over onto the others around me? Yeah. What if each day that I walked into the firehouse that my brothers in the fire department would see me and say, He's full of Christ. What's he got? I want to know that. I want to know that. And I would be able to be like, Brandon, Brandon, drop those bombs. Drop those bombs. How many would be able to see Jesus Christ? Amen. Do you think about that? If we claim the name of Christ, we are Christ followers first. Not that we don't need our job and not that Brandon don't have a special gift to preach. If we're Christ followers and we claim, claim the name of Christ, then he has to come first in our life. So I ask you, are you willing to lay down your life so that Christ would be glorified? Matthew 16, 24 and 25 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life to lose it will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And if, as I read this scripture, if you read through the Bible, somebody that was carrying the cross meant that they were dying. It says, take up your cross. If you were carrying a cross in the Bible, then that meant you were dying. Do you die to self so that Christ can live? Think about that as we go through this scripture. I had a quote in this book that I wanted to read. And I thought it was uh, 
uh, really good. T.S. Eliot uh, said this. The greatest proof of Christianity for others is not how far a man logically analyzes his reason for believing, but how far in practice he will stake his life on his belief. How far will you go, people? Will you receive persecution for others so that others may see Christ? And I had to ask myself this. I know some days I go to my workplace and I'm just had a bad day and I'm all tore up. And I'm like, you know, I let those things of life take over and lead instead of following Christ and showing his example. And I apologize for that. I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm still working on that part. Or Christ is still working on that through me. Verse 10. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge, your blood, avenge our blood? Uh, some things that spoke out to me in this verse was, uh, one, they called out in a loud voice. It doesn't say voices. So these people, these martyrs were in agreeance that you are sovereign and you are holy and true, Lord. That's what it says. They were all in agreeance. It was one voice, not two. They knew that the Lord had supreme power and authority, that God is the ruler of all, that you could trust him. See, they knew that. It says, How long until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And I started to think here and I said, avenge our blood. Where in scripture does it show these believers? See, these were believers, saints. Where does it show that uh, they would avenge our blood? And they said, why our blood, God? It's because they have been exalted to heavenly state, to a heavenly state separated from a sinful world. See, these believers have been exalted to a heavenly state. They're not of this earth anymore. And I, I started reading and researching, and I came up with these, uh, as I listened to some sermons and, and things, people talked about a place called Hades. And a place called, in Hades, there's a place called Paradise where believers w- would go before they go to the new heavens. But as me and Brandon talked, and I, I was sharing with him, I would say to be in the presence of God is heaven. So they were in the presence of the Lord. See, these, these people were crying out, how long to avenge our blood? You see, because God is holy and true, he will avenge his blood and the sinners who persecuted his people. Psalm 79, 9 through 13 says, Help us, O God, of our salvation. For the glory of your name, deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Let the avenging of the outpoured blood of your servants be known among nations before our eyes. Let the groans of the prisoners come before you according to your great power. Preserve those doomed to die. Return sevenfold into the lap of our neighbors with taunts with which they have taunted you, O Lord. But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks to you forever. For generations and generations, we will count your praise. See, God's wrath and judgment brings praise to to those who have been delivered. See, God will judge this earth one day. 
And his people will rejoice because it will be a righteous judgment. Verse 11. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. They were told to wait a little longer, and they were given a right robe. You see, in Scripture, a robe marked a person's high social or religious status. And Jesus warns us about uh, how we we can... uh, put our faith in the things of our, our money, our status, in our religion, because Christianity is not religion. I, I, I just hope you guys know that. So we can put our, 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 our stakes and enjoy the things of this world. In Mark 12, 38, uh, Jesus says, as he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect. In the marketplace. Sometimes we got to watch out for those that think they got it all together. You know. Pride can kill us. Pride is the root of all evil. And I'm prideful myself. I can be prideful in the things I have in this world. But I just pray today that our pride rests in Christ. And we're prideful about him. And we boast in the things that he's given us. Not in the things of this earth. See, but the robe that Christ gives here is white. It's a white robe, which represents purity, glory, majesty, and brilliance reflected in the life of his redeemed saints. See, Christ gives a white robe. See, the robes here were not made white because of their own good works. See, this was not from their works, but the finished work work of Christ's death, the blood of the Lamb. See, they were washed clean for, through the blood of the Lamb. These robes were washed clean. You see, Jesus, Jesus Christ, He is our sacrifice. He is our altar. He is the blood that was poured out to save your life and mine. He is a sovereign Lord. He does rule over this earth. He does rule all things. He is the white robe. He is our hope. You see, the other day, uh, Brandon, a little testimony about myself the other day, and wife, I, babe, I love you. You know, I want to make sure that you know as, I'm, as I share our testimony and some of our testimony, because I, uh, through our marriage and through me and my wife's marriage, Christ has changed my life. So I have to, you know, tell my wife that I love her because I know it can be hard as we share testimony sometimes. The other day, Brandon had a, uh, after the men's retreat, he had a call, and he's, he said, men of God, men of God, men of God, come to the stage. Stand up for what you believe. Let's, who's the men of God in the room? And all these men came to the stage, and I came up here, and I was rejoicing with my brothers. But I looked over, and I seen my son standing up here. My son was standing on this stage. And it brought joy to my heart because I said, my son's giving his life to Christ. He's willing to stand up. And my son don't come in front of people, and he don't talk really a lot. He said, he's willing to stand up for Christ. He came to this stage, and I know it was hard for him, and I was excited. So I ran over and grabbed him and hugged him. I said, I love you, son, and I'm proud of you right here. You know, one of the best days of my life was when my, my dad, me and my dad didn't really have a, 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 really a relationship, you know, 
not in the Lord, just a physical relationship. But one day, my dad came to a breakfast, and he, we were in here, and he said, and we had a prayer meeting afterwards, and my dad came up to me, and he said, I'm proud of you. I love you. And it's the first time I remember my dad saying he's proud of me. So I want to make sure that I tell my son that I'm proud of him and that I love him. So as we got done, as we got done with the, after the service, the service ended as we got done, I walked down over this, I walked off the steps right here. And as I walked off of these steps with my son, we walked off right here. My daughter and my wife came to meet me. They came over here and they hugged us and they were excited that we were willing to stand up for Christ. We was all cheering it on, you know, excited. And my nephew was in the hospital. He, he had got into a fight and had some things going on in his life. And he was in the hospital and I wanted to go down and pray and share with him. But through the men's, regroup, men's retreat, I had learned, if you're going to go and share the gospel, you have to start in your own home. I need to start with mine first before I can move out. So as I come off of this stage, the Lord just started to move. And I grabbed my son and I grabbed my daughter and my wife and his girlfriend was there and we all grabbed in a circle. And I said, I sort of started to tell my testimony. I told him, I said, about four or five years ago, I said, I had an affair with another lady on, on your mother. I said, and our marriage was almost tore apart because of that. See, we were living in sin after sin after sin. And so I went through the gospel and showed it through them, showed them what was in my life. And as we got in the car, me and my wife got in the car and she sat down and she looked at me and she said, she said, tell me again, why did you have to tell them? Because, see, I never shared that part of my life with my children. They didn't know that for years. And, and, and over the about five years that I've been a Christian, I've only been a Christian for about five years, I never shared that with my family. And my wife looked at me and she said, tell me again why you had to show them, why you had to tell them. She said, why did you have to tell them? Just like now, why do I have to tell you guys? I said, because I had to show them Jesus. See, I had to show them that Christ was our sacrifice. I had to show them that Christ's altar was a cross. On which he went to for you and me. That he bled out every drop of blood to cover that sin. That he bled out every drop of blood to cover that sin. He bled out every drop. And he covered the sin that I committed. But see, a lot of us want to get to the cross. We want to cover him for the sin, but we don't want to, we don't want to step out of that sin. We want to stay in it. But I not only showed him the cross and where Christ had took me, I had to show him that he also didn't stay on that cross. You see, because God is sovereign and true and you can trust him, he went into the grave and defeated death. See, he, he has all power and all authority. He defeated death. And see, through that defeat of that death, 
Me and my wife no longer have to live in that sin. We don't have to live in that sin anymore. See, we can move on past that sin. He's defeated it. He's covered it. You see where the blood of bulls and goats only covered sin, Christ removed it. And you say, and you say how, does that apply to this, how does that apply to this message? Right here it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and their testimony. You see, when Christ looks under that altar, which he is the altar, when he looks under that altar where he's poured out the blood and covered you, he no longer sees that sinful person anymore. He don't see Robert Farmer in the sin. He don't see Robert Farmer, the adulterer. But he sees a new man in Christ who's able to get up here and share the word of God with each one of you. See, I don't have to live in that. I don't have to stay there anymore. But you know what? Christ doesn't stop there. He didn't stop there. See, we just think we're supposed to get the sin covered. And we think we, we, we're good. It's been defeated. But Christ doesn't stop there. It says he came back to life. He arose three days later. And I started to look at this text, and it says he arose three days later. As we think about him, Christ being raised from the dead to bring us life. And through that life, through the sanctification, as you start to become like Christ, as you start to dig into the Word, as you start to look like Him, He starts to give you that white robe. See, all this right here is black. See this right here? But he starts to dust it off. As he starts to purify you, he starts to dust it off. See, it's, it's his sanctification which becoming more like Christ. We start to become more like, as we dig into the word, as we accept what he's done for us, as we see him on the, on the cross, as we see him as a, in the resurrection, he starts to chisel away, chisel away, chisel away. And that's why he makes you the man of God you are today or the woman of God. That's how he does it. He starts to give you that right robe. And that's why he says when these people went to that heavenly state, he gave them that white robe. He said, you've been purified, son or daughter. You've been purified. You're with me now. You're with me now. We're waiting to go to the new heavens. If you would, turn with me to Romans 13, 14. You might get out of here a little bit early today because I'm getting ready to draw this thing to the end, but I'm going to let Brandon come and close it. So, so don't get your hopes up. We talked about hope, so don't get your hopes up because Brandon's going to come and close it out. But uh, I want to show you this before we, uh, before we end. Romans 4, 13, 14. Rather close yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You see that white robe that he gives? It clothes you. And this flesh has no authority over you. That white robe, Jesus wants to clothe you. Do you know what it's like to be clothed in Christ today? 
Have you asked him to change your life? Have you went to the cross? Have you laid that sin down? Has he covered it? And when he looks at that altar, he sees a new child. You see, for the believer, there will be trials and tribulation. We are going to go through things. That's the sanctification process. But, but there's hope. There's hope in the death and resurrection of Christ. See, for the believer, we have hope in Christ. Because of what he did, we get the rewards. That's why we can, we can cry out, God, avenge your blood, avenge your blood. Because we know that day when he avenges that blood, we're going to go, to go with him into that heavenly state. We're no longer going to be here. All those pains, all those trials, the stuff that I brought into our marriage, it's not going to be there anymore. He's going to remove that. But see, for the believer... I'm, for the unbeliever, I'm sorry, but for the, for the unbeliever, there's also hope. There's also hope here. And you say, how? How, Robert? How's there hope? Because Christ says right here. Then each one of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were killed as they was, would be complete. See, there's still hope for the unbeliever also. He's saying, my job here is not complete on this earth. There's still hope for those unbelievers too. There's still a chance that somebody will get to share the gospel. There's a chance that you can walk into your workplace Monday and you can go to that person and say, hey, Christ loves you. He has a plan for your life. And let me show you how he does it. For the unbeliever, there's still hope also. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, Lord. Once again, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, that your grace and your mercy were shown through the gospel here today, Lord. Lord, I pray for each person in this room, Lord. I pray that they receive your word, Lord. That As they go through the day, they would think about it. And it just wouldn't be a Sunday thing, Lord. But as they think about what you've done for them, Lord, that it would turn into a Monday, night, Monday thing, a Tuesday thing, a Wednesday thing, that it would lead over all through the week, Lord. And next week when they come back here to the church, they would be so filled up with the Spirit that it would rain over into, onto the other brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that if there's brothers or sisters here that don't know you here today, Lord, that they would receive you today, Lord, that you would change their lives, Lord. Lord, I pray for those believers who have things going on in their life, struggle in their marriages, struggles with uh, drugs, porn, whatever it may be, Lord, that they would come here and lay it down at the cross and they would walk away from that thing and say, hey, this thing has no power on me. I live in the power of Christ, Lord. I pray that for each brother and sister here today, Lord. Lord, again, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.